Well, all right, gentlemen. Are we all back from our uh, weekend-long trip to fan trip? Guys, that was that was a great dinner. I don't I don't care what you say. I mean, I've really just like I know I've you been, two got really sick afterwards, but that was I. I, felt I basically fantastic. vomited for like two days straight and then slept for uh, well three days straight. So yeah, here we are. My mind. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Mine's a little addled. How are you, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> keep it in the bucket. Well, he's keep there. Keep it in the bucket. <laughs> no, that's the stewed tomatoes. <laughs> you didn't throw those out yet, man. <laughs> I'm not. Done. I'm not done on this. Well, welcome uh, back to another regular edition of You Should Check It Out. This is episode 17. Happy December, Happy everybody. Happy December. Yeah, here Jeez. we are. December 2019. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, entering that interesting period between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I don't know about you guys, but everybody on my family side has been pelting me with requests for gift lists and vice versa. I'm getting into that mm-hmm. mode. You guys do any Black Friday shopping? Me nope. neither. No. Maybe a little bit of Cyber Monday, but uh, yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd rather pay high, higher costs right before Christmas. That just seemed to work for me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I would rather pay higher cost and just avoid people. That's that, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, this is uh, yeah. You Should Check It Out, our weekly music podcast. My name's Jay. I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. And Greg... It is a your go for the very first topic of this week. Oh well, uh, you thank got? you, thank you. First of all, thank you. And uh, my pleasure. No, I'm very, I'm very thankful. You're welcome, Greg. Very thankful <laughs> to be first. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, in all seriousness, I hope if you go, if you guys don't mind, I actually may divert a little bit. I know typically we we bring up music topics. That's this been is the premise thus far, yeah. Yeah, you know, this this topic that I'm bringing to the table has just been on my mind, and I, I hope that, um, you know, our, our listeners will also, you know, kind of have a, an interest, a shared interest in the cinema and the uh, ah. and how music kind of correlates to that. Um, well, all the lines are getting blurred these days anyway. So. Exactly, sure. exactly. Kind of just and, media and entertainment. And I want to just talk about it. what I'm thinking about, okay? I don't really care what anybody else is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there no, you go. That's no. the spirit. <laughs> But, um, 2019. Me, so, me, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I noticed, and th- th- you know, something that's been on my mind a lot as I've been watching new TV shows and movies that have come out in the last 10, 15 years is this okay. more, co- more and more common narrative of the anti-hero. If you, okay. you know, shows like, I mean, The Sopranos kind of kicked it off. Obviously, there's been stuff before that, but um, as far as like the epic TV show um, <clears throat> focused around a villain that we're supposed to love in a way. Right. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, you had Tony Soprano in The Sopranos, and Walter White in Breaking Bad was another huge right. one. And they, they keep coming, you know? And then on the flip side of that, you've got these ultra-successful Marvel comic book hero movies. They've done okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a yeah. thing or two about them. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, okay, so whatever. So the, both of these different genres are happening now. Or you could sort of split it down the middle between, okay, well, this is an, an, uh, a comic book hero story and this is an anti-hero story it's almost pretty discernible what it is when you see it and so about a you know a, a couple of weeks ago martin scorsese famous movie director came out and and slammed all of the marvel movies and said it's Marty. not it's not cinema it's not Marty. playing yeah Ma- marty uh Come you on, know, marty. And, and you know just for people who don't who may not know i mean he directed goodfellas gangs of new york 
a taxi driver he's, back in the he's day. He's done some things. Yeah, he's you know, I mean, things. he's he's like kind of you know like a legendary whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's he's been around for a long time, made a lot of, of big movies, and so he, he in his mind nothing is at risk. There's no. What do you mean by that? What's he mean by that? I think that there's there's no revelation, mystery, or genuine emotional danger in the Marvel pictures, is what he says. Ah, I see. He says they're made to satisfy a specific set of demands, and they are designed as variations on a finite number of themes. Yeah, the demand being make as much money as possible, please, with as little effort on the studio's part as possible. Right. And so... (laughs) But but I understand what you're saying. So I understand what that... Yeah, so like the, the, the... the viewer doesn't take any emotional risk because it's a foregone conclusion that the good guys are going to win. Right. Yeah. Exactly. To that extent, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, he does have um, incredible sets and cinematography and acting on his movies, you know, so, you know, he, and he's somewhat of a cinematic icon. But then the point was raised that his movies are sort of repetitive in their own way. You know, that he follows a kind of a finite number, a finite number of themes as well. You know, where you have like the younger guy who gets brought into the, 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 the bad mafia. organization, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the bad guys group and then kind of, you know, someone takes him under his wing and it's always the same thing. It's always yeah. three hours long, you know? And so I watched yeah, and the like, Irishman and like the last waltz. I mean, I knew how that was going to end like the second <laughs> I started the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always wanted to be a guitar player. You know? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But anyway. So a little um, bit of the pot calling the head of black. Maybe. Yeah. But, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting dialogue. I don't have a horse in this race. I, I love some of Scorsese's movies. I respect him a lot. You know, I also, I grew up with Marvel comics. I don't particularly like the movies anymore, so I get a little bit of a chuckle out of him commenting on it. But I also okay. get a chuckle out of the backlash. Now, where I'm going with all this, though, is that there's this hip show, um, Watchmen, which is based off of a graphic novel that came out a while ago. Yeah. Um, it's all the rage. Yeah. There's also, there was a movie about maybe 10 years ago, uh, eight years ago. Was it ago that long? Something like that, yeah. yeah. At least, yeah. Wow. And it was super ambitious, and I, I, I remember going to the theater and, and loving it, but it didn't yeah, it really great. do all that well. I think by comparison to the director at Zack Snyder's other movies, because he had done like Sin City and 300, mm. he made mm. those movies. So yeah. Watchmen was really cool, though. I, love, I, I really like the story about your normal everyday guys just all of a sudden being inspired enough to just put on a costume and be a superhero, even though they don't actually have powers. Right. Okay. You know, and that's yeah. kind of, and, and then it becomes a thing of like, okay, well, so who is policing those guys? Mm-hmm. You know, and it, you know, so it has, it follows this incredible narrative. And anyway, the, the our show is called You Should Check It Out. I've really been enjoying the Watchmen series on HBO, and then finally r- relaying it back to music. The soundtrack is just killer, <laughs> and it's done by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Nice. Yeah, and this is one awesome. of those things, man. Like, I, I, I read the comic book and or the, the graphic novel, excuse me, and uh, really enjoyed it and and loved the movie and was looking forward to the series. But I just don't have the HBO. And and Nick, you were gonna hook me up, but uh, haven't gotten that text yet. So, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to. to I don't know check what you're out. talking about, Jay. <laughs> but I've just I've heard so much good stuff about about the series and the soundtrack in particular. So I'm I'm really excited to check it out. Yeah, so you'll great. Greg, did you read the, the, the graphic novel? Yeah, yeah, and I'm actually, like, rereading it now. I think How important is that to watch in the show? Because uh, two things. I, I tend to, whenever things hit HBO, would rather wait till the season's, like, like at least the end is in sight, so that if I find it necessary to binge, I'm not stopped by 
things like weekly episode drops. Right. But the other thing is that I, I did watch the, I have seen the original movie. I saw it once and it was pretty hard for me to follow. And I'm right. usually pretty good about following yeah. things. And when I had a conversation about this, the overwhelming response I would get back is, oh, you, well, you got to read the book, uh, which I, I, I'm not opposed to doing. But how yeah. do you feel that lines up to the current season? I would say this, that they all exist in the same universe. And it sort of depends on how deep you want to go. I think that you could definitely enjoy the series, any one of those things individually, which is kind of a rare thing because it doesn't necessarily piggyback on one particular thing. It's not like, oh, it's a sequel to the movie or a sequel to the book, but certainly there are a lot of characters and they, are, they have a lot of history between them. So mm-hmm. you will probably be less lost in the show having read the novel and seeing the movie. But having said that, I'm pretty sure you can enjoy the show regardless, but you will have to do a little bit of uh, digging around detective work. Yeah. Gotcha. But even just okay. uh, on a technical level and just the way it looks and, you know, th- there's a lot of that that is really fun about it. That's so great. And Trent Reznor, I mean, what a master of ambient soundscapes, you know, and not necessarily just ambient, but just soundscapes, period, for soundtracks. I don't know how many of you guys played the video game Quake back in the day, but, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Reznor did the soundtrack to that, and it was a strange period in video games. You could actually just put the CD that was the data disc for the game, you could put it in put the, the audio track you know, in the CD same location yeah, play yeah. It as a normal CD. No way. And I just That's loved right. that soundtrack, man. And, you know, yeah, he's done so many cool things. I just really think he's is a it, genius. Is it in fair to you just, I, for some reason, like in my mind, Trent Reznor and the word industrial just they just belong together i don't know like everything he does is just like just sounds like it's in some dark factory yeah it's trent reznor yeah, yeah it's almost trent yeah. reznor's own genre now i mean there were of, mm-hmm. of course the you mm-hmm. know ministry um ramstein you know kind right. of of that genre i guess uh but he, he's really the the creator and, the and flag bearer yeah guy carrying he, the um, he actually won an academy award for scoring the social network yeah, that's right. That's right. That movie. That's right. That does well. So he's yeah, he was he's legit, flexing you know? his muscles. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. You know, I wasn't trying to pigeonhole. Oh, of course I just not. Meant... No, 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 no. Um, but it's just like it's just gotten to that point now where he's just like a major scoring force. That's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, if you want to play uh, some, uh, I, I picked out a clip that this. I thought was cool. It's pretty rare. Yeah, absolutely. No spoilers, right? TikTok, TikTok. All right, this is a section from. The Watchmen, the series soundtrack by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross.
Well, that is really neat. That's really interesting, Greg. I, it sounds definitely of Trent Reznor. It sounds like Trent Reznor. Yeah. <laughs> and it but really it's so works. moody and, and yeah. brooding, and and you can definitely you can tell it sets the the tension in the atmosphere. It's just got that modern edge, man. It's got that little that gloss without being annoying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Nice. Speaking of gloss, or uh, lack lack Ooh. thereof, that's not that's not really a way to do a transition either. No, it's a fingernail polish recommendation. Go ahead, do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted to piggyback on this this article that I saw today. It, it actually came out a couple months ago, but I wanted to piggyback on Greg's reference in the last episode, of the Thanksgiving special, to Nirvana's Unplugged concert, which was you mm-hmm. know a pretty pivotal moment in their careers and in in our lives. And, uh, yes, you know, yeah. for, for anybody who's seen the, the video or any clips, the main thing that a lot of people take away from seeing Kurt Cobain is that he wore this cardigan, this ugly, dirty, old cardigan that looked kind of fuzzy and gray and it just kind of looked out of place. It wasn't something that you would expect a, a grunge guy to wear. It's, it's like Mr. Roger basement apparel. Kind a of little a bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little yeah. bit like Mr. Rogers meets Oscar the Grouch. Snuffleupagus. Snuffleupagus. <laughs> <laughs> the news article that I ran across was that it's an article from Rolling Stone that details the long, strange history, the odyssey of Kurt Cobain's sweater cardigan from the Unplugged uh, session. Mm. And it recently sold to an owner of a Pennsylvania motorsports team and an admitted Nirvana fan for $137,500 so. U.S. In auction. What's the cost per thread on that? You think? <laughs> wow, it's gotta be. It's it, gotta it was be interesting. There. In the article, like they tried to like thread. reel back like the provenance of this particular sweater, and you know they thought it was made in the late '60s, so probably with enough wear, it was. It, that's probably a one to one, a one dollar per thread ratio, if I had to guess. Yeah, I'd imagine. <laughs> and he probably got it in a goodwill or something like that. Mm. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's Maybe the irony that. of the whole thing. You see, mm-hmm. He probably paid five dollars for it in a Seattle flea market somewhere. But uh, yeah, what, what's old is now new. But it, it's a really interesting story. So the Unplugged concert was one of the last big shows that he did before his suicide, and it yeah. was given by Courtney Love to originally to Jackie Ferry, who was the nanny for the Cobain family, and she held on to it. She kept it in a safe deposit box. Never washed it. Well, that was that was nothing new, though. That was nothing new. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> True. Probably hadn't been washed since 1992. Yeah, since he. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you knew something about this, like nanny or something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she, his, yeah. she notoriously she did not anything. wash clothing. If you know anything never. about Jackie Perry. <laughs> but she she uh, initially funk. she originally bequeathed it to Francis Bean Cobain, Corey right. and, and Kurt's daughter, to her in in her will. Later on, Miss Ferry, she was diagnosed with cancer, and to pay for her treatment, she went to Courtney and to Francis and got their permission to put the the sweater up for auction. So that's how all of this came down. The guy who bought it, initially, he was definitely going there to spend some money and was anticipating to spend between forty to seventy thousand dollars on it and uh, very quickly it it got into the six figure realm Jesus Pete so the rationale that's given wow. for it I guess it's part of a trend I don't know I'm not I don't run in these circles but for spectacularly rich people if you want to diversify your portfolio 
you know, it's investing in memorabilia, classic cars, classic guitars, things like that. And, you know, everyone expects that, no, even if it sounds absurd to spend $140,000 on a cardigan, that it will almost certainly at least double in value. So, I don't know. Uh, I Fingers wish crossed. It <laughs> <laughs> hmm. didn't work out for Beanie Babies, I guess. But <laughs> Beanie Babies. Are you telling me I should hang on to my cardigans? Yeah, absolutely, man. I got the whole set of the California raisins sitting in the back Ooh. closet somewhere. What about the pogs, though? Ooh, pogs, yeah. I'm not so well, sure about, man. They kind of got they kind of saturated the market there for a while. My brother could do a solid 15 on pogs if you need. Just just <laughs> throwing that out there. <laughs> solid 15. But you know, the the thing is that the guy that bought it seems like a a pretty nice guy, and he seems legit, and he went to pains to make sure that the guy the interviewer from rolling stone knew that he was a fan i don't know it's all kind of ironic because kurt cobain was kind of anti-commercial and yeah. probably bought it from a thrift store for five bucks for that it's funny though man i was watching interview with nirvana's old manager okay he who just recently came out with a book he was describing how Kurt was actually so competitive with the business and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he would mm-hmm. call him. He, he would call him and say, like, yo, uh, I just saw Pearl Jam's video on MTV like five times today. And ours was on there like three times. What's right. going yep. on? You just can't picture He's that. a paradox, man. Because yeah. you listen to, to Nevermind, that is the slickest commercialist sounding rock record. You know, he had to have known what he was getting himself into but then once he got into it he didn't want it you know mm. it's it's I, th- I think he had a clear understanding of the of the difference between the image and then the business side of it right and and i don't i don't mean that you know in any way that he was like faking the image but that was an important aspect of like the aesthetic of the band was that image yeah he, it's something uh, he and, thought about it wasn't like an and, and for the music to connect to, to connect to who he wanted it to connect to it was important that they didn't put on glam rock looking crap yeah, you know, yeah. which which would have been around that same time, and they, they were kind of really the anti glam rock. So yeah, and I mean, um, cle- clearly he forged his own path, but it was on purpose. Just especially well, based on hearing this interview, which was interesting. And I don't know what the guy's name is, but he was Nirvana's manager. And if you want to look it up, you can probably Google that pretty easily. I think it was like Tommy Nirvana or something. Yeah, I think Tom. Yeah, t- <laughs> Tommy N. Tommy Anna. <laughs> but for it, for anyone who's worried, don't worry. The the guy who currently is in possession of the sweater, he uh, has not. He's still not washed it. There was like an awkward moment in the interview where he admitted that he had worn it. Ooh, ah. he put it on okay. for like thirty. Well, seconds. it's his sweater now. And it, well, I mean, right. You can do whatever he wants with it. If you're gonna drop the price of a of a small home on a sweater, then. <laughs> <laughs> he, you he gotta want, at least put the thing on for a minute. You he know? wanted everyone to know that there's a uh, mysterious brown stain, uh, some kind of glob of either chewing gum or vomit in one of the pockets, Ooh, as gosh. well as a uh, missing button and two cigarette burns still Thanks. intact. So this guy took it out for a night of drinking, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I swear, yeah, it was there when I bought it. It was there when I bought it. I don't, I don't <laughs> you see that guy out at a bar and you're like, wait. Are you, it's are the you guy wearing with, the sweater? It's the Nirvana sweater guy. He's got the sweater. Yeah, he wore it to Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, for my uh, for my music pick this week, I have a, a couple gigs that I do annually, but one of my favorites is coming up this weekend. It is the 
Baltimore Night of 100 Elvises. It's one of my favorite events. And it's, Ooh, they yeah. take over this hotel, and it's just all of the Elvis impersonators that you can think of. Everyone just dressed dressed up as whatever version of Elvis that they like the best, and they got a whole bunch of local bands that come up and, and do covers of Elvis tunes. It's fantastic. We're just playing three songs, and initially I was going to play an Elvis song for for this uh, episode to commemorate that, but then I heard a song that I'd never heard before by a guy named Alan Toussaint, legendary New Orleans pianist and R&B producer, singer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably most famous for uh, Southern Nights, that song, He's okay. the writer of that song. But he wrote a whole bunch of songs that you definitely heard, have heard before. But this particular song I'd never heard before, and it struck me because this, I guarantee you, Elvis covered this song at some point in his life. But either it came out too late, or Elvis just didn't hear it, or maybe Alan was just riffing on Elvis. I'm not sure what the, what the relationship is, but um, the song is called Touch of Love, and take a listen, it's a fantastic song and just try to imagine alan impersonating elvis during this touch of love all right alan Dussant. let's do it Home to home to home. That's great. Dude, it's a great song. The rhythm section on that, whew, it's off the chain, mm. man. <laughs> so yeah, that's, yeah that's, they're that's holding great. it down, man. That, that is some Absolutely. serious. He could find that's the really best, cool. man. He was uh, he had access to all the best musicians in New Orleans. 71. 71. 71. Yeah, pretty sure wow. that a bunch of, the, bunch of the guys from the yeah. meters and him would play together a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So, Nick, what you got, man? Well, thank you for asking, Jay. Uh, recently, <laughs> My job. Uh, Rolling Stone, <laughs> Rolling Stone released uh, one of their listicles. Um, <laughs> this is called the 50 most important music moments of the decade, which is obviously completely up to them to to, to determine. But I was kind of reading through it, and I and I and I realized we've talked about a lot of these things. Yeah. So first up, good job, guys. Good job. Um, <laughs> hey, but the, the, the link will be in rele- the description. Relevant. But they basically put together, and it, this is in, in order of occurrence, right? So it starts at 2010, 
and moves its way to the most recent. It's not like of importance. But I was going through these trying to kind of see if there were some underlying themes and I, and I wanted to get on that, but I, I had sent this to you guys earlier and I wanted to know if there were any that jumped out at you that were things that we didn't talk about or, I mean, they've got all sorts of stuff on here. It starts off with Ticketmaster and Live Nation's merger back yeah. in 2010. Yeah, um, yeah that, that one definitely I feel like we could up. do we could do a whole series on, or we could do a whole episode on, on the ramifications that have come out of that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But at this point in the show, we don't really have time for that. That's really but, why uh, I didn't touch that one because I was like, I would go off on a rant on yeah, that one for sure. Yeah. But the, yeah. the other ones that um, caught my eye were the the live music ones, like uh, Lady Gaga that uh, setting up a, a residency, a, a residency in, in, at a Vegas, yeah. you know, casino is kind of the new stadium tour, and that. Uh, I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, the other one was talking about the Desert Trip concert. Um, mm-hmm. And what it was was uh, a bunch of old hippie classic rock musicians like uh, Paul McCartney and Neil Young. And, you know, I think the Rolling Stones put and Bob Dylan played The Who, What's Left of The Who. Did Roger Waters play on that? Yeah, yeah. man. I was there. Yes, oh, was no, shit. That's right. Wait, you went to that? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Did you did you perform? What's the story? I was working it. Like I was part of the I was part of that crew. It was wild. With with Roger Waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he had nice. a guest uh, musician that I was kind of coaching, wow. and uh, yeah, we got to we got to to be there. I was just hanging out, but the way it worked was that you had Dylan and the Stones on Friday night, Neil Young and Paul McCartney on Saturday night, and then the Who and Roger on Sunday. That's right. And so Friday and Saturday night, I had nothing to do, so I was just chilling watching those bands from like every angle i wanted it was crazy it was was great. that was that the show that you sent me like the vi- like the phone video like looking out at the crowd the the show that you're talking about that was like a free one in mexico city that that we were that preceded uh, that we were right? there like that was like a week before yeah, yeah. Trip. oh man yeah anyway the, the whole point of this this particular um clip on rolling stone was was how much those artists made because the concert was absolute smash and it just proved that there's plenty of aging rock and roll fans out there who are willing to pay a a pretty penny to to go see their heroes still yeah Mm -hmm. the tickets are like a thousand bucks or something oh yeah it was it was crazy it was bougie man it was bougie i bet um, they had uh, with Wolfgang Puck, you know, like catering, <laughs> like, like instead of like you know just like your burger stand, it was like Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. it was crazy. Some like, like a catheter servicing station, shit like that. Just, just a little like w- one quick little under the hood thing is that Roger was like, "I'll play the gig, but I need my screen," and it's had it had a strange like, or like like an LED. It, it was just a, a full LED screen. Wow, that was massive. Wow, and he was like, "I need oh, my screen." Man. It was a weird ratio. Or I don't know, aspect ratio. Yeah, yeah, aspect it's ratio. Really wide, yeah. right? Yeah, really wide. Very wide, and like I, it was like an IMAX screen. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so he he was like, okay, I, I'll do it, but I need my screen. And they were like, well, that means that all the other bands have to use it. And he was like, fine, they'll have to rent it from me. So he made more than everybody. Oh, <laughs> jeez, I love that. And the other bands, like, they didn't have their stuff, like. You have to go to like a That's specific tough. studio yeah. suite to like get your videos to fit this aspect sure. ratio. Or have them all re-edited to that aspect ratio, yeah. right? Well, yeah, that's not a simple yeah. thing. And so most of them like had already had their videos mapped out. So they would like do these weird <laughs> things where they would kind of like double it up. And it didn't fit <laughs> Or letterbox right. it or something, yeah. And then finally like Roger would close it out. And then you then you all of a sudden you would see the screen to its like full capacity. Nice. And it would just kind of, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so Roger Roger Waters won on all fronts. Yeah. Pretty show, much, so. man. He, I mean, he, 
you know, I could go, I, go I could Rogers. do a whole episode about all of that because there's definitely a, some things I've picked up. Yeah, up I don't time. know about it's you, Jay. I would, I'd love more of that. That would be great. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll just tell you. I mean, one, Watchmen one, is fun, but one yeah, other, some one Roger quick, Waters inside what, stories that sounds like wait. it'd be pretty cool. <laughs> one other quick yeah. little thing is just that he used to tour South. Well, he still does, but like he got to South America, and it was basically it was the choice of like you can either do it in a soccer stadium, which holds like sixty thousand people, or you can play like the two thousand person room. Okay, and so he was like, "Well, my vision is." To, to do a huge show. So we're just going to have to make it for the 60,000 people, you know? Darn. Yeah. Even like, <laughs> I mean, and then like, you know, figure out how to fill it. Man, that'd but be nice to have that, that uh, as your set of options for, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. Well, when you've got, you know, Pink Floyd, yeah. you know, um, on your resume, it helps. Sure. Yeah. So um, Nick, what, what from this list? No, I'm Did... good. Let's just talk about Roger Waters. I'm fine. <laughs> That's a fun, I don't care. But seriously, Greg, Let's get back to that at some point. Um, so, yeah, so some of the themes that I noticed, again, stuff we've talked about, how, how quickly streaming started popping up in the, in the, in the storylines. Yeah. Mm. Uh, to the point that I even, I think, later on, it was like streaming is now the number one means of distribution for the music industry. Yep. Which, not news, but given the pay scale that comes with that. Well, and I didn't, has I didn't realize when I saw that, that uh, Spotify wasn't launched until 2011. That was well, kind of yeah. shocking to me. Like, I... Mm-hmm. That, in the U.S., it was in the U.K. Yeah, that's that's amazing to me that it is. It's, it's just it's, just achieved dominance of the market in eight years. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, kind of sad. <laughs> well, in a way, I, I mean, I, but I, I, well, the consequences are, are being felt, and 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 actually, that was one of the takeaways. Was um, you know, if you're hot, like put it out. There was there was one in there. I think number thirty four was a blurb about Future bumping his own number one album yeah. with his next number one album. Yeah, right. Right. Which, which, which honestly was is kind of it's also a sign of the times, which is people will take as much as you have to give yeah. until they're sick until they're done with it, yep. and that could be a week later. Yep. So yeah. if you're hot, put it out. Yep. Don't don't hold it. Yep. Don't sit on it. Which to me is terrible, yeah. as far as kind of a lesson to learn out of yeah, that. Yeah, exa- um, as a life lesson. Yeah, long, it, and it encourages just exactly just get it out there. Exactly. Um, but then you know it's kind of the way the business has always been. It's changing. It's a moving target. Yep. You know, I mean, it is sad in a way because music has been devalued. But yeah. hopefully, uh, you know, it's a pendulum. It'll it'll find its way back. Well, and uh, and yeah. as we've mentioned in a couple other episodes, I mean, it's it's the good with the bad. We're all making collective we make less money on streaming but the barrier services, to entry yeah. but the barrier to entry is so much lower and you can get heard yeah. by so many more people and, and i don't want to get too far down this path but greg when you were talking about it as well touched on like the social media or the cancel culture kind of a thing which which actually i think gets to like we we now are policing ourselves we're kind of mm-hmm. our own referees you mean we collectively um so with with the yeah with the idea of like we are kind of refereeing ourselves and I, I think Malcolm Gladwell had a, a podcast series that he did called like Obey the Rules or something about the rules. Oh, um, that's Michael, just Michael about, Lewis, but it's produced by Malcolm Gladwell. But yeah, so the the idea that um, in the absence of a referee, like we we are all serving as the referee, yeah. and there's a lot of kind of push and pull that it's a little it's kind of messy and it's out in the open yep. and. Mm-hmm. It really, we're just kind of in the middle of a culture shift, yep. and things will fall where they will. This is not the first time this has happened. It's just the most publicly visible time this has happened. Right. And then, yeah, actually, that that Lady Gaga story was one that I, I grabbed as a. Uh, I wonder if I wonder if this is kind of a sign that there's going to be some sort of return to like the patronage system. Not just for, I mean, right now it's Vegas, right? Because that's the city that's trying to attract 
people to come see this one artist that's playing there but just the idea that it takes you know somebody saying here here's some money because i really love your art just do your thing don't yeah. worry about don't worry about the sales don't worry about making pennies on your streaming songs well you um, know it's funny like go and do your thing that's what netflix does with their new writers they oh like, with their like, don't, yeah 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 just mm -hmm. carry on, Nick. But I just want to say that, like, the film well, industry no, has no. kind of like already applied that. That's and, interesting. And, and there's all th are things like Patreon and crowdfunding and all that. That's and what so I had down. I, I had down that like there's so much money that these uh, like content providers have, um, right. that it seems like a logical next step. Which, which actually to me is kind of reassuring because that's already existed within the arc of right. what it means to be a music industry in the United States mm. in the past you know 150 years. So. So maybe maybe that means we'll start seeing like a cyclic aspect to like with at least some realm of predictability as to what comes next. Yeah. Because yeah, that 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 existed. That was like the early 20th century was yeah. was the was kind of like the patronage system and the mm -hmm. alternative to that was being on the road all the time. Like being, you know, going from town to town and playing your shows and making, you know, a living wage, nothing to nothing to to get rich off of, but which is also kind of what we're what where we are right now yeah, where you yeah, know yeah. bands make a living and that's it they make a living going around and doing tours and and making you know you know 50 60 70,000 a year per per band member and that's maybe that's you know, the I mean, way it's not should have been <laughs> you know <laughs> I, oh, well it's i guess for me it's it's uh where, where is the stability going to find right. when when are things going to stabilize and what's it going to look like and what's going to mean to be a successful musician you know five ten years from now and kind of reading through this it, it I, I felt a little bit reassured i guess it's not all new you, we could go down this rabbit hole for a long time but you know i've i, I have some some friends you know that i've seen kind of grow up and and they found that stability in their own way and it's not something that any of us could copy you know where it, whether it's like oh again i've started my own line of pedals and i have sure. all these fans mm -hmm. maybe they're not paying for my music but they're paying for my 300 dollars guitar pedal right you know I mean? well, and, and on that same same riff i mean have you ever checked out the jhs guys uh video blog on youtube no i don't think so oh man like it's I incredible like it, uh, jhs is you know a boutique man manufacturer of pedals what i you can't even really call them boutique anymore but used to be a one-man operation two two three years ago he launched a video series where he doesn't even talk about his own pedals he talks about other pedals like vintage pedals he talks about here are some great chorus pedals that you should check out and mm, it's just yeah. grown and grown and grown and grown and grown and and now he has his own little niche community of people who they probably don't even buy his pedals know that he does ga session i don't yeah. have a yeah. jhs pedal but i've watched every single one of his pedal videos <laughs> that's perfect. But I mean, yeah, yeah, it's great. Great. yeah it, those kind of opportunities, if you can find them, they're out there. You know, it's a it's a new wild west, really. Yeah, Absolutely. it's true. It's true, and it leads into this like, oh, it's a golden age of content. But then I've been hearing this this thing lately that's been creeping up, which is content is the killer of art. And I don't know <laughs> exactly what I haven't wrapped my head around it, but something to think about. Like there might be some truth to it. Is it a quantity versus uh... quality thing? I don't know. I oh. can't say. Hmm. I, 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 don't, I, I just heard it and it caught my ear. Interesting. You well, know. there's that, and there's also the, then the, the, the live metrics that, that like Netflix is running on their shows. Mm. I mean, you can see you can see the progression of Stranger Things from season to season. What happens when you 
when you use metrics to write a script. Right, right, you know what right, I mean? right, right. If that dictates the points. creative process. Yeah. Right. Mm. yeah. It's interesting, and we actually just touched on a lot of topics that we could do entire episodes about. Well, yeah, absolutely. And and listeners, um, I, I don't want you to get worried. You should check it out. We'll never use metrics to dictate, you know, our content because we lost the password to our to our site so right but if we can get it back well that then forget what you said <laughs> right we're yeah. all in i just gotta reset it i gotta reset it i just haven't done it so. all right well we're almost out of time here nick uh what uh what do you got for our uh, our last song uh number 39 on this list was uh was kendrick lamar winning the pulitzer which yeah was amazing awesome and, and yeah, absolutely. The guy is, a, I don't know, I, I, ever since Greg actually turned me on to, to Pimple Butterfly, I've gone back and listened yeah. to everything he's done. And uh, oof, man, su- such a brilliant writer and the music is incredible. And so I picked a, I picked a track off of the album that he won the Pulitzer for, which is called Damn. I picked a track called God. Ooh, yeah. so I'd, like to, I'd like to play that on the way out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And uh, unless there's any parting shots from Mr. Loman. Nah, man. Just uh, peace on earth. Peace and love. Yeah, <laughs> man. Just, you know, <laughs> have a good one, everybody. All right. Peace out. Enjoy. This is uh, awesome. God by Kendrick Lamar. Have a good week, guys. This what God feel like. Hell. Huh. Yeah. to the bank like ah ha. Hell. Flex on swole like ah ha. You feel some type of way then Ever since a young man All I wanna be was a gunman Shooting up the charge, better run man Y'all gotta see that I won man Slick is out of bars with the finger waves Work it JG Handle bars like a fade, watch me work it, J. 